Hello and welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Make sure to follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts for episodes every day, Monday through Friday. Today we're getting into Eric Paschal's exit interview, and it wasn't a great year for Paschal, but he should have a chance to prove himself next year. Before we get into all of that, let me first tell you about Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get right into it. We'll talk about what went wrong for Eric Paschal and how he fits into things for the Warriors next season. But let's start with what went right. And look, it wasn't all bad for Eric Paschal. Actually, his per 36 numbers were better across the board than in his rookie year. You look, the, per game, the per game stats were a little bit down, but that's because he had less playing time because he wasn't the center of the offense when Steph Curry was injured like he was in his rookie year. They had Steph, they had Andrew Wiggins, they had all these other guys who didn't play as much. Not as much opportunity. The The counting stats go down, but the per 36 numbers were actually up. He goes from 18.2 points per game as a rookie to 19.7 points, not per game, per 36 minutes in his second year. His shooting percentage stayed the same, 49.7% overall, which still isn't great, but at least it stayed the same and didn't get worse. Uh, and his three-point percentage actually went up uh, at at 2.8 three-point attempts per 36 minutes, he was hitting 33%, which was better than his 28%, 28.7% that he hit as a rookie. Rebounds were up. Assists were basically the same. Steals and blocks were basically the same. Turnovers were slightly up, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But he was more efficient in limited time, which if a guy is going to go from a lot of playing time to not a lot of playing time, you at least want to see an improvement in efficiency. And we at least saw that with Eric Paschal. So there is that. Uh, and look, he didn't start off, he didn't he didn't end the season very well, but he started the season being a key part of their rotation. He helped create some small ball lineups. He, he found a role as a small ball five coming off the bench uh, in these up-tempo alignments that, that the Warriors used basically to score points through the first month of the season while Steph wasn't playing, uh, you know, when Steph was on the bench getting his rest. And so those lineups are really helpful. Now, Pascal at six foot six wasn't able to maintain that level of proficiency throughout the year. He got worn down. He ended up dealing with a lot of injuries later in the year. And so ultimately, that probably can't be his full-time role going forward. But he was at least helpful in those spots earlier in the year. And he had one game in particular, January 18th, the win over the Lakers, the comeback win over the Lakers, 19 points, four rebounds, and three assists in that game. That's the kind of stuff he was doing earlier in the season that was helping the Warriors win games. So he didn't finish off the year very strong, but when you look at the year as a whole, Eric Paschal, it it was still disappointing. It wasn't a great year. There's a lot of things we're going to get into here, but it wasn't all bad. And there's things that you liked early on in the season in particular that he just wasn't able to carry out uh, through the end of the year. Now, the three-point shot is getting a little bit better, right? It went from 28.7% to 33.3%. That is marginally better, but it was at fewer attempts per game. It goes from 2.2 attempts per game to 1.4 per game. Again, the per 36 numbers uh, basically say 
he was taking about as many threes as he would uh, per minute. So you still what what the Warriors were looking for going into last year was Eric Pascal specifically improving that three point shot. It was a point of focus during his rookie year. Over the course of that rookie season, we all know that they were working on formatting that shot um, and kind of rebuilding the stroke from the ground up. He sort of gave up on that late in his rookie season and kind of got back to it early on in his sophomore season. The percentages were better. And that's what you want to see from Eric Paschal, who is still under contract, uh, at least for next season. Uh, so that was good. The, the fact that he was able to carve out a role earlier in the year as a backup center was good because, you know, there wasn't as much playing time available to him at power forward. And Eric Pascal is one of these tweener guys where you don't really know where he fits, right? Like, where does 6'6", 250 pounds, kind of an isolation score, not great defensively, not an awesome outside shooter. It was kind of not, not a super high-level rebounder. It was kind of just weird to find a spot for him. But the guy can get buckets. And, you know, and when you put him in space, he can make things happen. And having guys like that over the course of a season can be very helpful, right? Because at the end of the at the end of the season, basically every win mattered for Golden State, and Pascal got them, helped get them some wins earlier in the year, even if it wasn't much of a factor at the end of the year. We'll get into what went wrong with his season next, but first we want to get to the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week in sports. If you think joy only happens when you win think again look at the world's most successful athletes they don't spend all of their days grinding away they take the time to enjoy themselves like having a Michelob Ultra with friends because they know that happiness is the key to winning and not just the end game it's the whole game and today and this week's Michelob Ultra player is Clay Thompson and if you've been paying attention to Clay Thompson's Instagram stories you know why it's Clay Thompson First of all, if there's anybody on the Warriors roster who drinks Michelob Ultra regularly, it's got to be Clay, right? We know he's a beer guy already. Um, you know, it, it, it's low in carbs, light in calories, so it doesn't affect his rehab coming off of this Achilles tear. And you love to see him on the boat over the weekend talking about his plans for next year, talking about how he just wants to be an efficient player, doesn't necessarily want to put up a bunch of points and things. He's he's worried about the real plus minus and all those things. Ultimately, he's just worried about helping the Warriors win. And I think when he comes back next year, he will help the Warriors win. And he is a guy who plays with joy. Michelob Ultra, 2.6 carbs, 95 calories in my refrigerator right now. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Support for today's episode comes from Locker Room. It's time to get in on Locker Room, the live audio-only sports talk platform where you can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. At times, I've been using Locker Room this season to record this podcast, and I really like it. It's sort of like an old-school sports radio call-in show, but easier than ever to join, hang out, and talk. And best of all, it's free. How can you beat that? I'll be hosting a room this Thursday at noon Pacific time, along with Bram Hillsman of the Warriors Huddle Podcast. Uh, We are going to be taking the five most pressing questions dealing with the Warriors every week. So I'm letting you know now. Mark it down on your calendar. Noon on Thursdays, be a friend, come on through, have your questions ready to go, and be ready to listen to us uh, talk Warriors. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter account, and join the Warriors or NBA group. Follow me at WC Goldberg to be notified when my room goes live. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. 
Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Getting into what went wrong with Eric Paschal's season, it's pretty clear. He only played in 40 of the 74 possible games. Played, He did not play in 32 games, mostly due to a hip flexor strain that kept him out for most of the second part of the season, and then a bunch of DNP CDs because... The Warriors couldn't find a role for him down the stretch. When the Warriors, when it, when these games really mattered, when they were in their playoff push, they stuck to an eight-man rotation. Even after Pascal got back and he was healthy, they did not put Pascal back into the rotation. He's limited on both sides of the ball. Defensively, uh, he fouls a little bit too much. He lets you know off ball. He's not very strong on ball. Again. Where do you, if on offense you got to play him at center? Well, then he's undersized guarding other bigger centers. If you play him at power forward, there's just not enough spacing. And even guarding other forwards, he's not all that strong on defense. And he gets blown. He gets beat for uh, backdoor cuts and things like that. He's just the head's not on a swivel thing. And you know, there's just there's mental lapses on defense that you could tell were a little frustrating for the coaching staff. And um, and so because of that, he had trouble fitting in, trouble getting playing time, got leapt in the rotation by Juan Descano-Anderson, whose three-point shot really did come along and was reliable, specifically out of the corner, and was so versatile and so good and was playing with, with such a high basketball IQ on defense that he became that sort of tweener 4-5 and basically leapfrogged Eric Paschal in the rotation and in the pecking order on the Warriors. Now, the other thing wrong with Paschal is on offense— He's very limited, too. I mentioned how that three-point shot came around a little bit. It did. Small sample size, however. Uh, 1.3 assists to 1.1 turnovers. The guy just, he, he would he would run into traffic with the ball, over-dribble a little bit, and he, he would get caught turning the ball over a little bit too often. And, and when you're talking about a guy who needs to function within the ecosystem of the Warriors' offense, and this was a big question that I had about Pascal going into this season. Well, as impressive as his rookie year was, he wasn't playing with Steph. He wasn't playing with peak Draymond Green. He wasn't playing in an offense that is recognizable when you think about what Steve Kerr has done with these Warriors during his tenure. And so my question was, all right, what happens with Eric Paschal after his rookie year, going into his sophomore year, where there's going to be more competition for playing time, and he's going to have to, and he's not going to be the go-to option very often, if at all, right? That's Steph. That's going to be Andrew Wiggins. You know, before Klay Thompson got hurt, I thought it would also be Klay Thompson. Uh, it was going to be the number two overall pick that they had that turned out to be James Wiseman. All of these guys that they had, Draymond Green running offense, all of these guys that they had to get the ball to and put the ball in, in their hands, there was just going to be less time for Pascal to do stuff with it. So how does he uh, thrive? How does he exist within that version of the offense? How does he become a part of of Steve Kerr's motion offense. And it turned out he had a hard time doing it because the three-point shot isn't reliable because he's not a really great passer. He prefers to just play in space and then get downhill and get to the basket. And that's just not what the Warriors were looking for, not out of a guy like Eric Paschal, who you just who you took in the second round a year ago so or two years ago now. So uh, that's what went wrong is every, all those questions we had about Paschal it didn't his season his second season didn't do much to answer those questions and 
Now the Warriors are facing um, a little bit of a predicament with him. He's got a year left under contract. It, we're unclear where he fits into the rotation, if anywhere. I've got some ideas that I'll talk about later on. Uh, but he's basically got one more year now to prove that he can take enough of a step defensively in particular and then and get that jump shot to be a little bit more reliable. And if he could do those things, maybe he sticks. Maybe he can be a guy who, yeah, maybe you're not relying on him every single night, but can at least do something for you over the course of an 82-game regular season. Because I still think a guy like Pascal, with his skill set, his ability to get buckets when you need it, to play small, to be a little bit of a change-of-pace type of guy at that center position, could be very useful you know, in the dog days of a regular season where you just need somebody to get a bucket, where you're dealing with injuries and things like that. I think He's got a useful skill set. The, the tough part for Golden State is just finding a way to implement it and for Pascal to either figure out how to work within the Warriors system or be okay not playing every single night but staying ready so that when they do call on him on the certain nights where they do need somebody with his specific skills, uh, that he's ready to play and ready to help them win games. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk about uh, what his role will be next season and look at his contract and what the future holds for Eric Pascal in Golden State. This is Locked On Warriors. Today's episode is brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day, tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Support for today's episode also comes from Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on, and even the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be. Take a look at the spreads, money lines, over-unders, and more at BetOnline. For tonight, I'm looking at the Jazz and the Clippers game. Game 1 of this second round series. And right now, Bet Online has Utah listed as three point favorites over the Clippers. And I love the Jazz in this first game. They are rested, where the Clippers are coming off of a seven game series uh, against a grueling seven game series against the Mavericks. And, and Utah has just been sitting around waiting for them, being able to scout them. And, and I like the idea of Rudy Gobert in game one setting the tone early. I don't think that the Clippers are going to come out playing small right away. I think that they're going to try to play big. I think they're going to try to see what they get out of Ivaka Zubac. And if it doesn't work, they'll make adjustments later on. But I like Utah getting a leg up in game one of this series in Utah. So I'm taking the Jazz minus three. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, looking ahead for Eric Pascal, I think the biggest question for him is not only what his role might be on the team next year, but if he's even on the team next year. Now, Pascal by himself has next to no trade value. Uh, not only because he's coming off of an injury-plagued season and didn't do much to prove himself, and he's a second-round pick, not considered to have very much upside uh, because he was an older second-round pick. He's already uh, 24 years old, but he's also only making $1.7 million next year, and that's just not something that's easily tradable, right? You're basically trading a minimum contract for another minimum contract, and those deals just don't all happen all that often. Uh, yeah, you, maybe you can use him to even stack salary in part of a bigger deal, but again, that $1.7 million figure just isn't that significant enough that uh, it really helps you get across the goal line on, on a major trade unless we're talking about you know a bunch of players involved in a potential deal where they're just stacking all the Eric Paschal, Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, Alan Smiley-Geach type of salaries into one big trade. Uh, that said, um, I do think that there is a, there is potential for Paschal to get to get dealt this year as part of a deal like that. Now, I've gotten a bunch of questions in, in, on Twitter and my email. Oh, can you trade Eric Paschal for a second-round pick? And the, Can you trade Paschal and a lottery pick to move up? No, you can't. Like, like I said, Paschal just doesn't have that much trade value. There's not a team in the NBA that's looking at the Warriors and saying, I really need to get my hands on Eric Paschal. Now, I'm not trying to diminish Eric Paschal and, and say he's not a good player. It's just when you're talking about teams that want to trade for players those the players that they want to trade for are usually sought after and just Eric Pascal isn't that isn't that guy right now he's got a lot more to prove and I talked about some of the things that he needs to do that three-point shot needs to come along he needs to lock in defensively in a way that he just hasn't over the course of his first two seasons uh he needs to be able to play at the forward spot and survive on an island defensively and offensively you know, he needs to be able to play within the, the context of the Warriors' offense, their, their motion offense. All these things that he has yet to show that he can do. And then, of course, he also has to stay healthy, which is another big thing. And coming off of that hip injury and those things, he'll have now an offseason to get healthy. So that that's the good news for him. Um, the bad news for him is that the Warriors are going to be able to add four or five guys this offseason. So whatever opportunity Pascal had this last year, there's probably going to be less of an opportunity even next year unless he comes out and takes a huge leap forward in summer league and training camp and all these other things that will be at his disposal before the Warriors actually get on the court. If he can impress behind the scenes enough, he will get some time. But that's a big if, and it's going to require a really big leap. It's not to say he won't get any opportunity. It's not, not to say he won't get any playing time if he's on the roster next year. right? You have preseason. You have the, you still want to go pretty deep on your in your rotation during the regular season to keep guys fresh for a potential playoff run, um, but when you're looking at his minutes over his career, 28 minutes per game as a rookie, 17 minutes per game in his second year, you can kind of see it going down every single year, and it wouldn't surprise me if it went down by 10 points per minute or or, or 10 10 minutes per game from his rookie to his second year, and maybe another 10 minutes per game from his soft from his second to his third year right if he went from 27 28 to 27 28 in his rookie year to 17 in his second year to seven in his third year 
I don't think it would surprise uh, anybody very much at all. So that'll do it for our exit interview with Eric Paschal. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things about the show. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Now get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.